it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from T. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably recording this with a glass of wine in hand. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Welcome to the first episode of Teak Talk, where we're going to have no frills conversations about the obstacles we had when we started in the travel industry and how we took an efficiency-based approach to modernize and streamline our business through creating boundaries, processes, Cultivating relationships and updating our initial website and logo, we scaled a daily itinerary creation company to a tried and true full service agency with 13 independent contractors and a full-time support staff. If you're looking for advice on how to increase your productivity, work smarter, not harder, and level up your sales game, you've come to the right place. Today, we're going to be sharing a little bit about our why and more about each of us so that you feel right at home each time you tune in. So let's do this. And Robin, I'm going to start with you. Will you share a little bit about your background? And this is pre-travel. What did you do to get into travel? Yeah. So I, when I was in college, I was one of those girls who changed their major a million times because I wanted to do everything. I like just really couldn't decide on one specific path. So I ended up finally settling into a psychology degree, which I found incredibly fascinating. It was like probably the only class that I really, really loved going to. So stuck my like little stake in the ground on psychology. And after college was a little bit confused about what to do with a psychology degree because I did not want to work in a lab development consultant. So just around the country doing a bunch of different tasks, everything from recruitment to finance to you know, membership retention processes, everything in between. Um, And that also showed me that I liked my hands in a bunch of different pots. So once I was done traveling, I transitioned to a full-time corporate like marketing and sales job, which I really loved. I fell into the trap of loving psychology of marketing and like how you get people to jump at specific things. I was pretty decent at sales. I can talk um, to just about anybody. So I really enjoyed it. And um, after my husband's very interesting job took us from North Florida in Jacksonville up into Green Bay, Wisconsin, I was working with Jen at the time, just doing part-time sales and like just general admin stuff, like helping you comb over audits for trips for the clients who are doing the itinerary creation with us. Um, So that's how I kind of like weaseled my way into sales was honestly working with you at the start of exploratory travel. And I really loved it. Um, It was such an interesting industry to me. I won't say that I like came into it with this huge like love of travel. I'd never really been anywhere except the Caribbean because I'm from South Florida Um, and places domestically, like I had never been to Europe and all of that. So the whole, like, I wanted to travel the world thing kind of came after I fell into the industry. Um, so yeah, from there I started booking travel full time and now we transitioned to Teak. So, and we'll definitely get to that in a minute. We're going to share our story about how 
we actually changed our paths a little bit during COVID, as many did. So I'll share a little bit about my background. I studied abroad in Italy, like many others did, but I had never left the country before that. So it was a really interesting situation for me. I didn't even have a passport. I had to figure out how to get a loan. But when I got there, I absolutely fell in love with travel and being somewhere that pushed my limits. And I came back home, obviously, and still wanted to travel the world, but didn't have any real goals or any, you know, plans to do so. When I graduated college, I also became a leadership development consultant. Robin and I actually worked for the same company doing leadership development, traveling around the country, and it entailed everything she mentioned, budgeting, recruitment, all of that on a really large scale. And we were changing hotels or dorm rooms every single night. So it actually really prepared us for the travel world. Maybe that's why fans never bothered us <laughs> because we don't mind moving every day. But after that, I transitioned to a recruitment role for call centers and administrative physicians and then went into HR from there for a large hospital corporation. And as I was getting deeper into my career, it just wasn't what I envisioned for myself, like putting on a suit every day or setting up panel interviews. Like it just wasn't hitting the mark for what I wanted to do long-term down the road. It didn't give me the creativity that I was looking for. And it didn't give me the availability to travel like I was hoping to do once I was in a season of life where I actually could afford to travel. So I quit my corporate job and took a three-month sabbatical from life and <laughs> went to Europe and popped around to different Airbnbs. And ultimately, I had decided to open a small boutique itinerary creation company called Explorator Travel. At that time, it was not a booking company. It was just doing day-to-day -day itinerary creation company. And the vision would be that people would come to us and we would plan their trips, their tours, their dining, but they would handle all of their flights and hotels because I honestly didn't want the liability of it, which is funny now that we've been post-2020. And I think that 2016, Jennifer knew something that I didn't know <laughs> was coming. Um, but I ended up falling in love with the travel industry, going under a host, and of course, Robin and I's paths crossed again, and that's when we started working together. But it all started with a love of travel that I didn't know how to quench, or a thirst for travel that I didn't know how to quench, rather. And I wanted to travel for free. And that was really my only goal when I started a travel agency was I want to travel for free and I want to experience the world. And it wasn't to make a lot of money. It wasn't to have a big team. It was very singularly driven. So I would say we we have achieved a little bit of that here we and have there. Achieved, definitely achieved that. It's yeah. interesting to think about like where we were in what was it, 2014, and like what we're doing now. Like, I think I could have expected you to eventually get into booking travel, but now it's like with Teak, it's just so different. So, I mean, again, we'll get into the transition of all of that, but yeah, very, very interesting times. And it we're is. very, we've had very similar like 
paths crossing in so many weird ways, like same sorority, same job out of college, same like psychology degree, but if, and same Enneagram, obviously. (laughs) But if like you sit down and talk to us about like where our skills lie with the business, we're like super different in terms of like what you love, what I love about the business and running the business, which makes a good partnership, of course. But um, yeah, it's always so interesting because as similar as we are, we're also incredibly different in like certain aspects. So very much. We need to do an episode on partnerships and like how to maintain balance because I think a lot of people probably have that question, like how do you how do you balance between two personalities? So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that in the future. All right. So now we're going to share a little bit of our background as we transitioned to a travel agency in the traditional sense where we actually went under a host because Robin mentioned she was doing some administrative pieces. She was also, she's actually minimizing her role. She was very largely in charge of social media because that's just not my strength and it is very much hers. And so in 2018, we actually went under a host, which opened up a lot of doors for us. And we didn't really know what we were looking for in a host. And I don't even know, Robin, if like it had been on in your brain to start booking travel at that time. Was that no, even? I don't okay. think it was. Not until maybe late 2018 after the move. I actually, you reached out and you're like, listen, you're going to be bored up there. So like, (laughs) let's get you doing something because I can't sit still ever. Um, And I left my job at the time and I couldn't just stay stay and like not, you know, have a bigger role. So that's when you were like, listen, you'd be really good at it. I think sometimes travel finds people in very unconventional places. (laughs) I don't think too many people like come out of either high school or college or whatever, like their educational background is. I don't think too many people are graduating and being like, I'm ready to be a travel agent or a travel advisor, whatever your, you know, title that you go by is. So I think it's really funny how it just finds you. Well, I never knew travel agents were even a thing. And I feel like there was a very large part of my like generational age range, whatever you want to call it who didn't know that it was a thing. And I, that's of course where T kind of got started because I was just so sick of being like, yeah, I book travel and everyone my age being like, what is a travel advisor? Like, didn't they, you know, go down with the Titanic way back in the day. And it was like, uh, no, still very much a thing. Still very relevant. So, um, yeah, we're important. (laughs) We're important and we do cool things. So we did ultimately sign up with a smaller host and it was a really good foundation for us. It was an opportunity where we didn't have sales volume. We hadn't been part of a consortia. We didn't even know what a consortia was, to be really honest with you at all. We knew nothing about the infrastructure of the industry. We just knew about how to find great restaurants, how to find good tours, or we thought we knew. Now we know a lot more, obviously, but we thought we knew And I think that's how most people started anything. They think they know. And then they're like, man, I'm embarrassed for my first version of that. You should be. That's, that's how you grow. Um, Look back on this in a year and be so embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Just like truly. I think about the first month of Teak though, too. Like I just logged into our, our uh, old website and I almost sent you a loom of our old (laughs) website because I, I was like, no, she's not even, she's not even going to glean joy from this. It's going to make her skin. 
skin crawl. Oh my gosh. It's come a very far, very far away. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you because it's, it's, it's got to be documented somehow. It needs to be in our historical uh, documentation. So, but my point was we were, since we are part of a smaller host, they were actually an agency as well, but we were operating as our own brand. So it was a little bit different of a, a dynamic than most traditional hosts where I don't think too many hosts have everyone under them operating under the brand, but we were one of 11, I want to say, in a group at the time. They've grown since then. And we went off and we've become independent since then. But when we were under that host, what we started to realize is that we were booking things that were not necessarily aligned with the rest of our hosting agency. And when we went on FAMS, we were looking for a different product than the rest of our agency was looking at. And so that it became clear to us at that time that we wanted to shift to a network that had a little bit more of an experiential focus that had what I ultimately know now as like a DMC approach rather than a wholesaler approach. I just didn't know what that was then, but we did go independent in 2019 and then we changed to travel joy, which was also like a big move. We didn't even know why we were changing to travel joy. We just knew we had to get out of the CRM that our host had provided for us. We just needed another option because we couldn't be under that CRM anymore. So I'm going to let Robin tackle this because we started using Travel Joy and I am perpetually resistant to any technological change. She and- did have a meltdown before this <laughs> podcast because the technology. So Jen is not the tech person, but she tries hard to learn systems once I tell her that there are systems worth learning. I do. I try really hard because I know it's important for the functionality of our team, but (laughs) it's not natural to me, which is hilarious because my brother is like total techie and I'm like, but let me tell you all the feels like I can articulate it, but I cannot execute anything on a computer. Um, So we changed to Travel Joy and Robin found these amazing functionalities that I had no clue about because I didn't even beta test the dang thing. I just like started sending them money and was like, here, we have to put our clients in this, in this, you know, floating thing in the inter, the interwebs. The interwebs. <laughs> so share a little bit about that change, because to me, this is a huge catalyst of what came years later that we didn't even realize was going to be on our horizon. Yeah. So, so much of what I was doing was inside of our original CRM platform, there was like just no capabilities for like emails and like true client management. Like a CRM stands for like client relationship management tool or whatever. And that just wasn't really the case. Like truly the only functionality we got, which maybe there is something out there that we just didn't know, but the only functionality we got out of that platform was like paying out commissions and tracking how much money we were bringing in. But to me, I've always been very systematic, very processy oriented. Um, My dad's an engineer, so I always blame it on that. But that's just like how my brain, I'm an organized person, like things have to fit into a box and flow for me to be able to make sense of them. 
So I created kind of like these one-off like client Excel spreadsheets that I would use to like track where my clients were at in the booking process. Like what were they booking? So that was another thing. It was all just numbers. It was like client last name and their number, um, like how much money they were spending with me and then my commission payout. But I wanted to know like, where were they going? Were they going on a Caribbean honeymoon or were they going to a, you know, true Italy anniversary trip or something like that? And it just wasn't in that CRM. So I was making all these Google Docs. I saved all these email templates inside of Gmail. And that was great for the time being. I just, I'm always trying to work smarter, not harder. So when Travel Joy came up, and I forget, I don't know if I found it, if you found it, who found it and sent it to us. Somebody had to have. Um, but when I looked at it, number one, it was so much easier to use. It was just a more intuitive platform. Um, but yeah, when I like dug into the capabilities of like managing your clients on their status of like lead to booked to who, who is waiting on what from me, um, all the email templates you could store, the forms, the contracts, like everything just made so much more sense. Cause truly I don't even, if I think back to when we first started booking, I don't, I think we sent, sent e-sign genies, but it was like kind of weird and wonky. Um, so yeah, I like really sunk my teeth in travel joy because again, like when I think about like what makes me happy in business and where I feel like my zone of genius is, it's in organizing and processes, but it's not necessarily in like the actual client work. Um, I liked researching travel destinations, of course, but I don't know. I've just always geeked out more so in like the actual business operations than I ever did in the servicing of clients and booking the trip. So yeah. I think it's hilarious that you say that because I am the person that loves pushback emails. I love the creative solution in a pinch, like all the things that you absolutely hate. It's your personal nightmare to get a client emergency call and to deal with that. However, it's my personal nightmare to set up a system. <laughs> so it's, it is this perfect brain meld, which luckily we found each other. But one time Robin came to me and she's like, why do you keep copying and pasting? I don't know. Maybe we were doing a share screen or something. And you had said like, I told you I put like some email templates in the system. And I was like, I just don't even have time to figure out how to use this system because I was like drowning in clients at that point, or I thought I was drowning. And you're like, yes, but if you took two days to figure it out, you wouldn't be drowning because you would actually have a system. And it took me sitting down and hazing myself into learning <laughs> about travel joy. And really like to this day, people that still are doing workflows with us, it is so overwhelming. And then you're learning. Yeah. Especially like this summer, I can't even imagine the people that are getting implementations because it is truly overwhelming. Now we have a video walking through them, walking them through like a mock client and exactly the client experience flow. We didn't have a client experience flow. Our original client experience workflow was 14 emails. Do you remember that? Yeah bad. And it's basically just, we were only talking to you when we needed money, which like allowed us to retrospectively be like, what in the world? Like these people are going to hate us. Like this isn't that luxury travel feel we want. So I think by like sitting down, taking the time to go through it and like invest a little of the mental brain space back into it, you're able to pick apart the pieces where you're like, 
I would not like this if I was going through the process and I just spent like $5,000 or $3,000 or whatever amount of money on a trip with somebody. And then it's just like, oh, I guess I'll hear from them again when they need the rest of my credit card details or whatever else. So um, yeah, it just became one of those things where it's like, whoa, wait a second, this can be better. Let's make it better. And it's continued to get better. I mean, it went from what, 14 emails to like, now it's like, 50, 70, something stupid. <laughs> Could stick around two more weeks. It'll be over a million because Jen keeps pouring emails into them. Um, but yeah, travel joy. That's where we really, and then the, our bread and butter of what we do, our client experience workflow kind of was birthed. Yeah. But it, it is more emails, but now there's the opportunity to send supplier emails to. So that, that opened mm-hmm. like a whole can of worms. But I think the biggest struggles that we saw when we started were navigating the host network system to find a structure that fit a growing team. That was the other thing. We wanted to grow a team. And everything in retrospect, you do a little differently, I would say, as a business owner. Um, but one thing was that Financially, it didn't make sense to grow under that model because it wasn't going to give the ROI that it needed to have unless someone were really willing to take a cut on the commission structure as an IC under a brand, under a host. So that's not to say it can't work. It's just that that wasn't our reality at the at the time. And that's nothing to say anything bad about our, our host, but we did realize that going independent would allow for more financial growth. And then also creating a client experience when the industry was focusing on quantity over quality. And that is something that like to this day, I think we still see people struggle. They think the more they pile on their plate, the more money they're going to make. But the more you pile on your plate, the more errors you're going to make actually is what what occurs. More money you're going to spend in client recovery. And the more you're going to be completely burnt out instead of creating boundaries and processes that level up your sales. Um, I'm seeing you nodding. So people. (laughs) Yeah. Sales is so much relationship. Like there are so many statistics out there of how much more, and I don't know the exact percentage, a person will spend with a brand that they know they're guaranteed a good brand experience. Um, So when you sit there and you like flip it on your head, you're like, okay, I want to make this salary. How do I reverse engineer that? I have to sell this many trips because my average ticket price is only X amount of dollars. And it's like, what if instead we invest a little bit more in our brand, we invest a little bit more in our client experience and our workflow, which not only will save us some brain calories, but it will also bring in like a higher, whatever kind of client we want. Not everybody wants the high ends. Like, let's just be honest about that. That's not for everybody. But if you take like the time to sit down and really evaluate like your brand, who you want to attract, and then instead of focusing on that like quantity and like chug and burn mentality that does lead to a lot of burnout and I mean, just no balance in life because then you have clients traveling at all times of the day, all over the place, lower ticket probably, and like different destination. It's just a lot to manage. And instead put that effort into creating a client experience that you want to keep, like people just keep wanting, bringing back to. My whole thing is like make Expedia obsolete by giving a brand and client experience that is just so high touch, amazing that people are like, I would never book travel without Robin or Jen ever again in my life. And that's my goal. That was our goal when we, you know, launched the client experience bundle when we got started on our branding 
um, services because it was just, there's so much value to be had when you take a step back and go for the repeat referral business, then the constantly like looking for more and more and like digging through all these little dead ends of people who probably aren't going to be your best clients anyways. Which ultimately you and I will have an episode on this. I've already done, I've already put it in the brain dump, but ultimately we started very low ticket and that was just kind of like probably the season of life that our friends were at at the time too. And then referrals grew, but it definitely didn't show our value that we were taking like inquiries through Facebook or text or things like that. And it, that's one thing that we've definitely put boundaries in place and we practice what we preach for sure about um, attracting the right client and making sure that you're creating a process that does get the right client in the door. But I want to go back to some of the other struggles that we saw because you and I, I think, have become over time a little bit impermeable to this, but overcoming the glitz and glamour of rewards points to allow yourself to find the right property for a client. And we could go on for days about this, but I mean, I love some of these reward systems and these reward points. Some of these properties are exactly the right fit for your client, but I think the problem that a lot of advisors get caught up in is they see the rewards, they see the kickback, they see the overrides, and then they want to push only that product for someone and it becomes they're only like very one dimensional. You begin to become like more of like a order taker almost than a true service provider. Cause ultimately anybody can book anything online. Like, let's just say that like you can book direct. However, there's a lot of your overhead is your knowledge and your expertise and like taking the time to actually put some thought and consideration into matching a client with a destination that either works better for their budget or they didn't expect. Um, so yeah, I, I fell into that a lot. I would only sell a property and I'm pretty sure I still, if they even have the rewards program anymore, have 5,000 nights there. Cause I was like, <laughs> that's all I sold. And people liked it. It wasn't like anyone was like, Oh, I wish you wouldn't send me that. Like people really liked the property. So no one's intentionally, I'm sure selling unless you are, I don't know, but hopefully no one's intentionally selling things that like just to get rewards points. But yeah, there is, once you take that, like take that out of the equation and like just add it as a happy bonus at the end, like for when you do book that really awesome property, it just makes all the world of difference, I think, in your client. This is, this is where our like psychological approach comes into like you and I are like, okay, well, let's think about the psychology of matchmaking someone to the right property. And it is not transactional. Planning travel is not transactional. It's very much psychological. And that could I think if we just like did a whole course in philosophy on the psychology of selling travel instead of the process of selling travel, man, that would be oh, that would I be a time. It. Yeah. I because I'm psych. Ooh, that would be good. So add it to the brain dump. <laughs> add it to the list. Um, and then also educating ourselves on DMCs. I think that's something that people still struggle with, even when they're years into their business, just not having 
access or knowing where to find the right DMC or if they can trust a DMC. It feels very out of your control if you've gone from a wholesaler model to a DMC. But uh, let me tell you, this summer has changed the game when it comes to DMCs. Like I sleep like a baby knowing that they have someone else's WhatsApp number and not my phone number at 3 a.m. Um, but lastly, the some of the bigger struggles we saw in the beginning were deciphering the value of a consortium. And we didn't, We I feel like there's so much to be said on this and Robin is smirking at me right now, but there is so much to be said on the value of, a, of your consortium and when to use direct bookings to benefit a client to, and to use those amenities to lure in a client or if you're actually detracting from your value by advertising those. And that's that's a topic we'll, we'll definitely tackle. And then lastly, educating clients on how travel advisors are not archaic. And this is Robin has already touched on this, but ultimately, and this is where we're going to transition into Teak specifically, we saw an opportunity to help the entire industry modernize their approach with a workflow model, with automation, with fresh branded graphics that didn't look like every other website on the internet and with a true brand identity and helping the industry, people in the industry understand what a brand identity even was, because I am so guilty of this. I just thought when I signed up for a website, they picked the fonts and colors and that was it. Well, apparently I didn't have a brand kit and Robin to this day would be like, you did what? (laughs) That poor girl. (laughs) She gave you so much value. (laughs) She really went above and beyond. So thank you to my website designer that essentially had created a brand kit at one time. It's no longer my brand kit. It's now a Teak brand kit. But I mean, I didn't know what a brand identity was. I just knew that I needed a website, a domain, and a place for people to put an inquiry. So that's that was really what gave us kind of this push, that nagging and kind of I don't want to say annoyance, but knowing that the industry could do more and be better if we had access to share our insight and our thoughts with those items. Yeah. A lot of my initial sales with clients in the beginning wasn't really selling them on working with me. It was selling them on like, what is a travel advisor and how we aren't, you know, wearing all, all wearing headsets in a strip mall working for AAA. So Um, brand identity came down. I just, I've always been super passionate about it. Like since we first got started, I never wanted to be another advisor posting like an oversaturated beach picture, pushing, you know, these like stereotypical quote unquote travel advisor trips. Like there's so much more that we could offer. And once I got into the industry, I really knew that because I was like, how can I sell Europe? I've never been there. Well, I can sell Europe really freaking well. I'll tell you that. Like, um, (laughs) But yeah, so in August of 2020, when the pandemic was just at this really crappy point, um, I had canceled my Italy wedding at the time. My sales went from like in the million dollar range to not anything on the books for months, if not years. Um, so I was like really down. I was like, I'm not going to like just not make money. I can't like I have to do something. So I actually invested in like a website course. I've always been super fascinated with 
websites and brands and designing. But again, I was like always a little bit more left brain. So I never truly like when I was doing social media and stuff for Jen and doing all of that, it felt like creative. But then once I was booking, I didn't have that like creative outlet. So I kind of got back into the design specs of it all um, and took a course, got like all the information I could on designing brands and websites um, and then started my own website for like I got my health certification. I did a lot of things. I was very bored. You can tell I'm not good with like free time, but I got my health certification. I was going to start like doing more of like a health blog and stuff because everyone seemed interested in, you know, macros at the time and all of that good stuff. So as I was playing around with websites, Jen was in the midst of like a website update um, and we hopped on a call. It was just, I don't even know why we were talking at that point. It's not like I had any clients traveling. Nothing was really going on, but I remember I you <laughs> reached out because you were nervous about my health blog. I knew I was losing you. Yeah. And I was like, her interest is waning. So how can we work together in the future was ultimately the goal for me. Like, how can we capitalize on all the things you're great at and continue working together? And that was the entire premise of the call. There was no agenda. It's okay. not like I came in with a business plan. We literally just sat on a call and talked through like what you were doing. And I was like, so I'm also doing a website and you not like, I, I don't have the skills to do a website and travel agents need a website. And it just morphed into this conversation about potential services and you had all of these ideas about branding and websites and helping the industry in that way, which kind of took you away from your wellness blog, unfortunately. Yeah. Robin Bradley. I don't know. RobinBradley.com. Look it up. It might still be a lot. No, I definitely stopped paying for the domain. But yeah, I stopped doing that because it did. It excited me. The whole reason I got into travel. Oh, I just hit my elbow. The whole reason I got into like... I love travel a lot again, but I like the business of travel. I like the industry. I thought it was very, a very interesting industry that didn't have nearly enough resources poured into it. Because if you go online and you look up anything in terms of business resources, you will find 5,000 things for wedding photographers and like 5,000 things for florists and stuff like that. And there's these people who are specializing in this branding and these websites for these niche industries. And I'm like, I get it. But like, where is that for us? Because we never had those sort of like, I need a, I need a website. Who's doing travel advisor websites? Because like, I'm sorry, this is a different industry and a different beast than a photographer or a something else. Like, it's just very... I felt like we knew the needs of the industry. So we took all of these services that we wish we had when we launched our business and made them. I mean, I went to conferences all the time and would go late into the hours of the night talking about branding and logos and how to make a cohesive social media grid that flows and shows off your brand. And then on top of that, like with all the client experience stuff, we were telling people within our host agency originally, like about our experience and like the client experience and all of that kind of stuff. So once we got our client experience in a good place, we were like, dang, there's a need here. Like, I mean, I think there was a couple people doing workflows at the time, but um, we really felt like we could dive in and make an impact there as well. So 
yeah, that's when we got started with like brainstorming initial services, which granted those have changed over the years slightly, but the main bulk of like branding website workflow is all still very much the pinnacle of what we do. It was an interesting time because certain people that had been doing workflows were actually exiting the industry. And there are some other companies absolutely that do workflows and branding and website, but we felt like we could really incorporate, I'm a legal geek, like I love legal terminology and protecting your business. And so I got really deep into the functionality of Travel Joy and signatures and adding protective languages or adding protective language throughout the entire workflow. So both of our brains started going nonstop on, oh my gosh, can you imagine if we had this when we started? And that was the whole point of us covering like the pitfalls that we saw and the obstacles in the industry is because we truly wanted to help people skip all of that hard stuff. Like I can't even talk about getting an IATA process. Like that was so frustrating. If I could make that process easier for anyone, <laughs> I would love to do so. But also not knowing what terms and conditions to include and when to actually get a lawyer to review them and that you actually need a brand kit. Fun fact. <laughs> well, and that a brand, a brand is not a logo. A brand is not a logo. It, it, there's so many things I could go into and that will have to be a whole episode with our creative director and mandolin because branding was just a buzzword. Like having a brand meant you had a logo and some colors and some fonts. And like, as even now, like the way that brands evolve and like interact with their audience and the power of a cohesive strategic brand and what I've seen it do for businesses who invest and really take the time to learn who you are, who you want to serve, like in the direction you want to take your business has been just completely, completely eye-opening. So there was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot. And also that leads us to, we actually had to create a brand and an identity and a website and all of those things within a month. From the initial call, <laughs> I looked at our LLC date today and it was September 24th. And our first call, I think was like August 17th, because that's when like the grief really hit in mm -hmm. 2020, because even like Caribbean trips that we had on the books, all of those things started to fall off because people were just scared to travel, even if they could travel to Mexico. So a lot of those, and I think you had just like had it. And frankly, I had nothing to do. And so it took us a month. We pulled it together. We launched in September at the end of the month and we got our first clients in October. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was pretty quick. I mean, people in the industry kind of knew that we we were good at specific things. Like these things we were launching weren't just like stuff we pulled out of our butts. Like they were things that we were already good at. So um, people, you know, instead of coming to us and giving free advice, we took our love and our knowledge and transitioned it into services that were super valuable and again, have continued to just kind of grow and grow. So they have. So we get a lot of questions about where did the name come from? This is funny. I, re <laughs> I remember actually pacing outside in my garage, like in front of my garage and saying, I think I have an idea. 
And you were like, I know what you're going to say, <laughs> because I had told you that I, I was sitting on this, this name for quite some time. And I didn't necessarily know how I wanted to use it or when I wanted to use it. But the name Teak, it has an apostrophe before the T and it was always about servicing a boutique business. So when it, when you just mentioned, you mentioned that we're not all sitting in a call center with headphones on. What we're actually aiming to do, most of those call centers, if they're a travel agent call center, they probably already have workflows in place. They already probably have terms and terms and conditions in place because they have a corporate lawyer. However, these boutique travel agencies don't have those resources, nor do they maybe even know they should because they signed up potentially under a host that said, here you go, here's an IATA, Godspeed, go sell some travel. And there wasn't really like a business training. Yes, there's CTA, <clears throat> excuse me. And yes, there are other industry resources that are very like a lot of the time geography based or general business based, but it wasn't always aimed towards these really experiential boutique, small, potentially one person agencies. And so I looked up in preparing for this podcast, full transparency, I looked up the, the, the actual definition of boutique and it's a business or establishment that is small and sophisticated or fashionable. And well, when you think about when somebody says, oh, I'm going to the store versus I'm going to a boutique, you envision two different things. Like when I think store, I think of a Target, I think of a Kroger, I think of a Walmart. But when I think of a boutique, I think of like this little Ocean Magic surf shop down the road from me. Like that's a boutique. It looks different. It feels different. You know the people when you walk in, they're like typically, you know, I've lived here my whole life. So they're friends or something like that. Just it feels different. And the words evoke different things. Also, me and Jen are huge Sarah Blakely fans um, and everything she did with Spanx. And I took a masterclass. Jen took a masterclass from her. <laughs> and one of the things she said that when you're naming your business, that names that are not words, like true words, do better. Um, so that's why she went with like Spanx versus, you know, something else. So naming it something that isn't necessarily a word. I think it's like people remember it better or something like that. They just do better. And single syllable and sound with a K. So we nailed all three of her parameters. Check, check, check. <laughs> Sarah, be so proud of us. <laughs> I know, right? When she's on our podcast in three years. Oh, that would be, we'll talk that would about be it. Jam. Manifest, manifest. Uh, out into the universe. Uh, but it really, like when I read small and sophisticated, I'm like, that's exactly what we're trying to help people do. Like, that's what we're trying to help people achieve is this very sophisticated service-based business that truly people understand that it is a luxury service, whether you sell luxury or travel or not. And I could go all day on that, Robin, and I, the word luxury it means so many different things to so many people. And I think it's thrown around way, way, way too much. But sophisticated is what all travel agencies should be striving for because your system should be sophisticated. Your brand approach should be sophisticated. And when we started talking about the name, she was like, I dig it. Let's go. And it was just like a, probably a five minute conversation. We didn't even have to marinate on other names. We just mm -hmm. like went for it. Yeah. No, we didn't marinate at all. 
No. So that's that's where teak and it's we get a lot of people say like TK, tick, tick. Teak. We get tick a lot. <laughs> we get it's teak, like boutique, but just teak. So with that being said, we just talked a little bit about the vision for the industry. And I want to talk a little bit before we end this of just um, anything in your vision, Robin, that you saw the opportunity for us to be able to elevate the industry as a whole when we started Teak. I think it just goes back to like that brand and client experience. I mean, I think my vision for what we wanted to accomplish in the industry is give people that resource and that like guiding light to offload the stuff that is so important that they know they need to do, but maybe don't have the time to like sit down and actually take the time like to implement a new workflow or to like reevaluate your client experience or to look at like, who do you serve and why and stuff like that. So I think there was just so much opportunity for us. So I'll just share a little bit about what we got when we first signed up for a host. And these are all normal things. This is a totally positive conversation, but we got access to an IATA. We got a group to discuss trips or any business things. We got systems trainings, but not necessarily industry trainings. And that's a huge gap that I think just exists in the industry. And that's not necessarily always on the fault of the industry because there are resources there, but I think a lot of people don't know where to find it when they start. So it's something that I think a lot of hosts could have in the future is definitely a mentorship program before they actually jump into selling, but that's neither here nor there. And then we also got once a month calls and emergency assistance. So again, all of that's completely normal for a host. But what we're aiming to do with Teak and ultimately our community, which is niche by Teak, is we're looking to fill in the gaps where potentially you're not getting that nurture from your host agency. So instead of just talking about, we've talked a lot about client experience, which is so important, but talking about evaluating your PL and actually discussing with your accountant or your bookkeeper a monthly analysis of where you are financially, evaluating your expenses, looking at whether a FAM is going to be a return on investment, but also exploring opportunities for expanding your business, growing your business. What does that look like? How does how do you hire a VA? So we're looking to peel back the layers, not just in our services, but also in our community so that we're touching like fully 360 degrees of the industry and talking about the things that we felt we never got addressed when we first started simply because we didn't know where to go. So we're creating the place to go. TikTok is your place to go. <laughs> Talk, seriously, it's all, I mean, there's so many things that we just did different in our business that everyone was very interested in. We, we've always had boundaries. Boundaries have always been our thing. And if you, you know, think that you can have a travel business without boundaries, you're wrong and like stick around because there will be episodes on this for you. But um, we wanted to kind of negate the hustle mentality, get back into quality over quantity and really help people lift the cloak on the resources to like elevate their business. So many people are like, quote unquote, I don't do business well. And I'm like, how do you have a business then? So 
those business trainings. Like it's one thing to have an idea and create these awesome services and service your um, clients, but it's another thing to do business well. And we want to give you the tools and the trainings and the resources and the quick little tidbits and podcasts all about ways for you to do travel business well. That's what we're all here to do, right? That is what we're all here to do. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished an episode of Teak Talk and we're so grateful for your support. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of the episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we're personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all resources that we launch throughout the year. What's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors who are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.